And hello, I'd like to welcome you all to the Department of Defense's Vloggers Roundtable for Tuesday, January 11, 2011. My name is Petty Officer William Selby with the Office of the Secretary of Defense Public Affairs, and I'll be moderating the call today. A note to the bloggers on the line, please remember to clearly state your name and blog or organization in advance of your question. Respect our guest's time, keeping questions succinct and to the point. Today our guest is Air Force Colonel Brett Wyrick, Air Surgeon, Air National Guard. Colonel Wyrick will discuss the new medical mission for the Air Guard. And uh, somebody else just joined us? Yes, this is uh, Sergeant John Arell from NGBPA. Roger that. Uh, and will you be asking any questions today? Uh, I may. Okay. What was the last name? O-R-R-E-L-L. Thank you very much, Sergeant. Thank you. And uh, did somebody else just join us? Yes, hi. This is Seth Robbins from Stars and Stripes. Okay, Seth. Uh, we just got finished with my uh, introductory statement. And uh, Colonel Warwick, uh, the floor is yours, sir, for your opening statement. All right. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Colonel Brett Warwick. I'm the air surgeon from the uh, National Guard Bureau. And uh, I appreciate this opportunity to talk about our uh, CCAT mission. Now, CCAT is, stands for Critical Care Air Transport Teams. And uh, this is a, a mission where we actually bring the everything that you would find in an intensive care unit to the airframe, and it gives us the ability to move injured and wounded soldiers and airmen, Marines, sailors from the forward areas of the battlefield uh, back to tertiary care facilities either in Europe, uh, the Pacific, or the United States. Uh, the CCAT concept was introduced by the Surgeon General of the Air Force uh, approximately uh, seven years ago, I'm sorry, approximately ten years ago, in order to, um, in order to uh, uh, meet a need uh, for transporting the most critically injured and ill patients in the aeromedical evacuation system. And over the years, as the Guard migrated into the Homeland Defense mission, we got away from the uh, CCAT mission. However, recently, what we've discovered is that there is a need for the Air National Guard in the CCAT mission. And also, uh, we've got quite a bit of expertise in the Guard and in the Reserve that allow us to meet the demands of the mission and take some of the strain off the active duty forces who have been stretched quite thin by the ongoing conflicts. Uh, we're uh, pleased to be back into the mission, and I'll be happy to answer any questions that anybody might have about our, about our participation uh, in this mission. Thank you very much, sir. And uh, one thing I forgot to mention uh, please, if you are not asking a question, have, uh, place your phone on mute. Uh, first on the line was Chuck Simmons, so you can go with your question, Chuck. Uh, thank you for talking with us, Colonel. My name is Chuck Simmons, and I'm with America's North Shore Journal. Uh, two uh, related questions. Um, the uh, CCAP mission, will the Air Guard be providing only medical personnel, or will it be providing an air crew, uh, an airplane, a ground crew? Uh, just where is the Air Guard role uh, in in the CCAP mission? And uh, do you know how many total CCAP teams there are? Yes. And uh, to answer the first, and to answer the first question. Uh, We've gotten away from the concept now that aeromedical evacuation is an airplane. Okay, aeromedical evacuation is a mission. 
And what the CCAT team does is it brings, when we talk about a CCAT team, that is a medical team, and it consists of an of a uh, intensive care physician, a, uh, an, a critical care nurse, and also a respiratory technician to run the ventilator and uh, or any cardiovascular thoracic pumps that might be uh, that might be necessary. So when we talk about CCAT, we are talking about the back end medical crew. And it doesn't matter what airframe that they're uh, carried up, they have the ability to um, transfer to, to make any airframe into a critical care platform. And then to the second part of the question, the second part of the question is um, uh, how, many, how many teams are there uh, total? And uh, we are going to stand up at least 18 teams in the Air National Guard. Uh, for CCAT. And do you know what the total is, uh, Air Force-wide? Uh, Air Force-wide, I don't have that number right off the top of my head, but I know that in the uh, Air Force Reserve, it's, a, it's a 36 teams that they maintain. Thank you. And uh, Scott, you are next. Hey, this is Scott Fontaine with Air Force Times. It's uh, good to talk to you again. It's been a couple months. I am kind of curious about the, the timeline of all this. You say you're going to stand up 18 teams. Uh, how long is it going to take to stand them up? When are the first ones going to start rolling? And uh, and also, I know you said they can work on a variety of airframes, but is there one particular that you're using, as in C-17s or something like that, that you're at least anticipating to use? Well, uh to answer the first to answer the first part of the question, uh, the first team, uh, the first CCAT team is all Air National Guard CCAT team is already out the door. They deployed last week uh, over to Ramstein, Germany, and they're sitting alert right now at Ramstein. So from the time that we uh, uh, validated this uh, uh, the the need and the requirement from this mission to the point where we're actually fielding the first team out the door was less than six months. And that was a cooperation with uh, the School of Aerospace Medicine, uh, with C-STARS, and with uh, uh, the uh, C-STAR Cincinnati. And that was what allowed us to uh, spin this mission up so quickly. So we're going to have a constant and persistent line in the AEF uh, now from uh, beginning now, actually of last week, uh, for the next two years out of Ramstein. And the other thing that we're doing is in our in the rest of the National Guard, we're standing up 18 full teams, and they've already many uh, several of the teams have already begun training, and we're expecting to reach full operational capability within the next two years for all 18 teams. Great, thanks. Yep, and and as, far as, aircraft, as far as the aircraft goes, uh, the CCAT team can. They used an aircraft of opportunity, and while everybody prefers to have a, a C-17 because of the design in the in the room, we also fly uh, missions from the theater far forward in Afghanistan back to the United States in KC-135s, or we can or we can also do this in a, uh, a C-5 or whatever aircraft uh, is designated as the aeromedical evacuation platform. Out. Thank you, sir. And uh, Dale, you are next on the line. Yes, sir. This is Dale Kissinger from MilitaryAvenue.com. 
Uh, I'm a former C-17 pilot. I just had a quick question about what could you describe a typical mission for a CCAT team? The one sitting at Ramstein is going to come back to the States on a C-17, C-5, something like that, and land at Andrews, move them to a hospital like Malcolm Grow or over to uh, Walter Reed. Is that what the concept is? Right, and what we're doing is we're taking patients that otherwise wouldn't be candidates for the aeromedical evacuation system because they're, you know, we're, we really are talking about the most severely injured patients there. Um, and uh, uh, we take them directly from the intensive care unit at Launchstool, uh, and the typical CCAT team can handle up to up to four patients. And so the patients would go from uh, would go directly from Launchstool back to the United States and uh, either into the national capital region or sometimes in the case of burns, they would actually go um, uh, further back to the uh, Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio and the burn center there. Uh, also, the CCAT team sit alert, and if there's a need downrange, they can deploy forward from Ramstein into Iraq, Afghanistan, or even into the African continent if there's a need, a need for that, and then they can... Uh, and then they can uh, uh, transport the patients back to the United States or back to Europe, wherever the uh, mission requirements are. Okay, thank you very much. And Sergeant Orell? Colonel Weirich, hey, it's uh, Sergeant Orell. I just interviewed you a couple of weeks there at the Readiness Center. Uh, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing well. I uh, I honestly don't have uh, any real major new questions. The the little bit of information that I want to know is you ran this first flight last week. Uh, when is the next scheduled rotation for the next uh, next team? How how often do they rotate through, and and when's the next time that they're going to be leaving out of uh, Andrews to go over to Ramstein? Yeah, well we're uh, we're rotating the doctors through. Uh, some of them on a 30-day rotation, some of them on a 60-day rotation. Uh, one of the nurses has volunteered to do uh, uh, six months, and uh, the respiratory techs are averaging about uh, about 60 days on the rotation schedule. Okay, appreciate that, sir. Thank you. Have a safe flight back. Thank you. And Seth. Hi, Colonel. This is Seth Robbins from uh, Stars and Stripes. I'm actually over here in Germany and, and got to meet the team uh, themselves, but. What I'm wondering is, what does uh, the you know what does the Air Guard in terms of medical experience bring to the CCAT uh, teams? Okay, that's a great question. Uh, one of the things that we bring is a lot of experience. What you find in the Air National Guard is physicians who um, tend to be older and uh, tend to be more experienced. And what we see is, uh, you know, if you um, look at your average Guard physician, he's got at least 15. Uh, to 20 years in, in uh, medicine, many of those are in primary care. And uh, when you look at it, all of the, most of us have an have a, um, active duty background, and then after they leave the military, they go back out and they re-specialize or they sub-specialize. So we've got a lot of critical care physicians, uh, a lot of surgeons, anesthesiologists, guys who have literally written a book on uh, modern medicine are residing in the Air Guard, and by uh, and by uh, putting them in the CCAT mission, we bring years of experience and we bring years of uh, of, uh, of uh, knowledge uh, that make us a good total force partner for the Air Force. And just as a follow-up, 
do most of, now you say you're standing up 18 teams. Is that 18 teams over the next two years? I'm sorry, I, I was coughing at the middle of at the middle of that. Could you run that by me one more time? You said you're standing up 18 teams. That's 18 teams over the next two years. And uh, what I'm wondering is, do most of the people who are volunteering for these CCAT missions do they have previous experience with CCAT? A lot of them do. A lot of them do have that. But a lot of them, by virtue of the fact that they're already a subspecialist in their uh, in their civilian. Um, in the civilian healthcare world, they bring that experience and they're readily trainable to the CCAT mission. Okay, so you're planning on having to train up some people on CCAT. Right. Some people will need to train and uh, other people will, uh, uh, some people are going to, who have volunteered for the mission have never been on a CCAT mission. Some have been on a CCAT mission recently and some of them Mm -hmm. haven't been on a CCAT mission in several years. Gotcha. Thank you. And Chuck. Yes. Um, again, uh, kind of two questions. First of all, um, the patients you're talking about, while most of them are going to be combat casualties, are not necessarily combat casualties, are they? No. Um, the uh, these are critical care patients, and it could be it could be an idea. Typically, when we think about CCAT, we think about trauma, but it's not necessarily trauma patients. The CCAT uh, teams are uh, are well-trained in critical care management, and uh, say, for instance, if we had a situation on the Gulf Coast where a big hurricane rolls up on shore and you need to um, evacuate uh, civilian patients from a civilian hospital in the hurricane's path, that would be another use for the CCAT teams. It gives, it gives you a way to transport critically care or critically injured patients from the uh, from the strike zone uh, to areas of safety. So it's not just uh, uh, battlefield and uh, 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 combat casualties. It could also be um, in humanitarian roles or in a disaster situation. Okay, and going to geography, you talked about Europe, Africa, uh, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Uh, that kind of leaves out Pacific Command. Um, are they handled with a different organization, or or do they not use CCAT, or, or what? Well, that's a great question, because actually the CCATs are worldwide, and uh, uh, they have teams in the Pacific, uh, just as we've got... Uh, uh, just as we've got in uh, Europe and also in the continental United States, there's a very robust uh, system in the a very robust air evacuation system in the Pacific, um, where they uh, uh, where uh, they can integrate the CCAT missions there, and they can move uh, critically injured patients, critically ill patients from uh, Japan or Korea or Yakota. It's just uh, right now with the primary um, focus on the uh, war there was a greater need for the Air National Guard to participate in the eastern part or in, in the European uh, theater and in the uh, present uh, uh, conflicts uh, uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan. Thank you. And back to Scott. You know, actually, I want to follow up when you were talking about the possible stateside mission. Uh, if, you know, if there were a disaster strike or another Katrina or something like that, uh, would 
I, I guess this is more just kind of a technical point that I want to clarify. Would it be up to the individual state's governor to activate a team if it would if it wanted to use a CCAT team to evacuate patients outside you know outside the state? Right, and what we normally find in a uh, in a uh, response such as that is we find a um, a, uh, a a graduated response, and and typically uh, when uh, if you are a guardsman, of course, you, you report to your state headquarters, and the an simple answer is yes. A governor could activate a CCAT team to use them in the uh, to use them in the um, uh, in the event of a state emergency. But then, what typically happens in the very large uh, disasters that we've seen is that, as a federal disaster area is declared, or as a uh, you know, when the state asks asks for uh, assistance from the National Guard then the troops become federalized, or at least the funding becomes federalized through Title 32 funds. Okay, I got you. And, uh, and I realize that Katrina, you know, being the largest one in recent memory, is probably not the best example to just throw out there. But uh, um, also, you know, I know it's it's tough to, to predict the future and things like that, but in terms of uh, planning, I mean, do you guys have a set idea or a set expectation of how many missions – Per week or per month, that CCAT teams will be uh, will be performing. Right now, the uh, uh, the ops tempo for the CCATs has been high, and uh, the ones going into into theater and coming back out of theater, and it um, it depends on the on the level of combat operations downrange. When you've got high tempo combat operations downrange, you incur more casualties. And that means more uh, business for the SeaCats. Uh, but uh, some of the SeaCat teams have actually, um, you know, they can fly con almost continuously for uh, fly out, fly back, back to the United States, back to Europe, then back out to the theater. And uh, you can see them uh, uh, actually flying as many as two or three missions a week. Okay, and I got one other quick question, and then I will uh, I will shut up here. Uh, but the actual SeaCat teams are they? Uh, I, I guess, are you standing up, you know, 18 separate units, each tied to, you know, a state headquarters and things like that? I mean, I guess, is it a traditional sort of Air National Guard unit, or is this something a little different? Yeah, it's a traditional Air National Guard unit, and what we're doing is uh, there will be 18 teams out there, and uh, one state is volunteered to stand up two teams. Uh, the rest of them have each volunteered to stand up one team. But in addition to that, we've also found people that would like to augment these teams, and there's a number of guardsmen out there from uh, various states who want to participate in the mission, who have the medical training and qualifications to participate in the mission, and we're, and we're accepting them as volunteers. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Okay. And uh, let's see, Dale. Uh, yes, sir. When the uh, when the guard comes up on the CCAT mission as they are right now at Ramstein, what kind of equipment are they using? Is it pelletized? Is it owned by the guard? Um, and what do they need on the mission? Yeah, the the uh, equipment that we're using right now is um, is uh, owned by the Air Force, and Air Mobility Command uh, provides uh, uh, provides the equipment. It's standardized equipment, and uh, it's. Uh, uh, all uh, life support equipment that has been tested and verified as being uh, uh, safe and airworthy. Uh, when you're talking about transporting patients uh, through the air, you know, 
what you have is what you bring with you. And, it's, and the systems have to be super reliable. Uh, there has to be redundancies in there, and they have to be safe for uh, safe for flight. Uh, the uh, typical uh, CCAP patient will come with a uh, stretcher, a, um, an L sled uh, with a uh, monitor, uh, IV pumps, uh, and also um, a ventilator uh, to maintain the patient's uh, respirations throughout the course of the mission. Plus, and the CCATs uh, for, uh, typically fly with a full AE crew in the back who are taking care of the other uh, less critical patients and they also have the resources of that team available uh, to them uh, throughout the flight. Okay, so they might not be put on like a, a flight that was carrying cargo as additional people going along. They'd have to be on an AeroVac mission then. Not not necessarily. Not necessarily. It depends on whether it's a, a routine scheduled mission or whether it's in an emergency. In a pinch, uh, these guys can convert anything into a uh, into a uh, aerovac platform. Just about uh, just about air, any airframe can be converted into a aerovac platform for a CCAT mission. And so, but when they do fly with the additional AE crew members, there are additional resources and personnel available to them. Okay, super. Thank you, sir. All right. And Sergeant Orell. Uh, the first mission that flew out last week, uh, when are they, uh, have they already started to bring patients back to Andrews, or uh, when are they scheduled to start bringing patients back to Andrews? They were actually scheduled to start bringing patients back to Andrews today. However, however, uh, they were sitting alert, and there weren't any critical care patients to move from Longstool back to the United States. So that's actually, um, on the one hand, that's actually a good thing because uh, the fewer injured patients there are for uh, the United States military, uh, the better things are going. So they're sitting alert right now, and they're ready. Um, so as soon as they have uh, uh, patients that uh, require a CCAT mission, uh, they'll be on board. Uh, one last quick question. Once they, uh, let's say they go downrange into Afghanistan or Iraq and they bring them back to Ramstein, um, What's the, what's the turnaround rate from Ramstein to Andrews? Well, it depends on whether or not the patient is going to receive uh, further t uh, um, uh, further treatment at Longstool or whether they're just waiting for a mission to go out. A lot of times when the patients come back from uh, the forward areas, there's more surgery to be done on them. Uh, and uh, after they've uh, undergone the uh, combat resuscitation and stabilization, then when they get to Longstool, uh, there could be um, there could be other procedures that are done uh, where uh, they take the patient back to the OR, and then it might be several days or even weeks uh, before the patient is actually uh, uh, ready for uh, transport back to the United States. Or in the case of a burn, it could be almost immediately, almost immediate where where they get off one airplane, uh, go right to another one, and then straight over to uh, the burn center in San Antonio. It depends on the, the simple answer is. It depends on the patient requirements. Okay, great. That's all I have. Thank you. And Seth. Yes. I'm sorry. You kind of broke up on me when you were answering Scott's question, so I'm going to kind of re-ask that. You're, you're with the 18 teams, you're standing up two teams from each guard unit. Is, is that correct? No, we've got we've got uh, 18. Eight, actually, we have 17 states that have volunteered uh, to stand up CCAT teams. Uh, one, okay. of the states, one of the states has volunteered to stand up two. Uh, okay. However, 
We are taking volunteers, uh, people who want to augment the mission. We're taking volunteers from all 54 states and territories. If they're medically qualified and uh, um, are that kind of physician or nurse uh, that want to participate. Now, would the teams be coming, you know, from different states? Like, would the, the physician be coming from one state and uh, the, the the nurse from another, and the the uh, the, uh, the vent, uh, ventilator specialist from another? Well, that's exactly what we've got right now. The uh, the uh, uh, doc that's out there, Bruce Gurdon, is actually the uh, state air surgeon from Florida. Uh, the nurse comes from the Michigan Air National Guard, and uh, I'm sorry, the nurse comes from the Kentucky Air National Guard, and the respiratory therapist comes from the Michigan Air National Guard. So we did combine uh, we did combine people from all over the country uh, to put the to put these volunteer teams together. Gotcha. Thank you very much. And uh, I think we have time for about another question. Uh, Chuck, did you have another one? Yes, I do. Uh, the Air Guard teams are currently using Air Force equipment overseas. Uh, what is the status of obtaining the same equipment uh, for the Air Guard uh, here in the United States? Um, are you are you talking about the medical the medical yeah. equipment? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, in the um if the we have uh we have uh, ways uh, through the EMAC agreement, uh the emergency assistance compact agreement uh to access uh air force equipment in the event of a uh, in the event of a um disaster or a need here stateside. Um and uh for instance, um uh when we deploy to a hurricane event, uh we we bring the C-130s, we bring the uh, uh, C-17s, and uh, most of the medical equipment is already pre-staged. And uh, that equipment that we that we don't own, uh, quote unquote, in the Air National Guard, uh, uh, we can we can uh, borrow or we can get uh, from the active duty forces to meet the needs of the uh, of the population. Well, given that that you're sometimes called out in emergencies. Can you obtain that equipment rapidly? Yes, we can. In fact, uh, in fact, it's almost a, uh, with the efforts of the Surgeon General of the Air Force and with their mobility command, it's almost a seamless transition. Uh, uh, in fact, in, uh, in some of these uh, uh, responses, it's uh, difficult to tell who's active duty and who's a guardsman because everybody's Performing at the same level, high level of professionalism, and when it comes to logistics, uh, the uh, there just aren't the barriers that there used to be um, after Katrina. Uh, things have uh, there's been a lot of crosstalk, there's been a lot of planning, and uh, we have access to the equipment and supplies that we need uh, when we need them. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir, and. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody on the line for your questions and, sir, for your participation. Uh, if you have any closing comments, your floor is yours, sir. No, I'd just like to say thank you for this opportunity to let me uh, uh, speak and uh, answer your questions, and uh, thank you for your patience. We were uh, bogged down by weather yesterday, and uh, there was some difficulty traveling with the, the situation of, with the ice and snow in the northeast or, and in the southeast yesterday. So I appreciate everybody's patience, and if you have any questions or if there's anything that I can clarify for you, 
uh, please contact me at brett.wyrick at ang.af.mil, and I'll be happy to share with you anything that uh, uh, any anything that you might need. Thank you very much, sir. And once again, thank you to the bloggers who participated today. Uh, I agree, sir. It was a challenging roundtable to get this together today. Um, today's program will be available online at the bloggers link on deitylive.mil, where you'll be able to access a story based on today's call, along with source documents such as this audio file and a print transcript. Again, thank you, Colonel Wyrick and our blogger participants. This concludes today's event. Feel free to disconnect at this time.